redo this. We're gonna redo this. We're gonna redo this. Dude, oh, no. I lost it. I looked over. I can't deal with this. Welcome to Fluent Grace, a podcast for students about speaking the gospel into the everyday, ordinary stuff of life. You've got questions, we've got answers. Or at least we will search the scriptures and see how the gospel of grace should inform a response to the questions you have. We love Jesus and we love students, and we hope students will grow to love Jesus more as they encounter Jesus' amazing love for them. Our music for the show is Felix Culpa by King's Kaleidoscope. What's happening, everybody? Welcome back into the Fluent Grace Podcast, episode number 21. Ooh, 21? <laughs> this is like my new favorite part of the podcast where I give the episode and I wait for one of y'all to make some sound effect. <laughs> I love it. Episode 21 is where you break out the... Uh, the mission trip margaritas right that's right i mean we can it just seems appropriate we yeah we can uh play a little bob marley and uh bob the head a little bit tyler's beard looks like he could fit in with old <laughs> bob marley i could fit i could fit a lot of bob marley's in my beard right now. <laughs> you could fit a lot of stuff in that beard right now <laughs> oh nice so yeah we're at 21 we had the big two zero last episode so hopefully you check that out uh if you haven't had a chance to do that yet go back and listen to it think it'll be worth your time we just kind of goofed off for 30 or 40 minutes had a lot of fun so go check that out uh went over a list of countries that our uh, podcast has been listened to so that's a lot of fun our uh spanish friends are holding strong so they're still listening so we're glad to have y'all <laughs> hola actually is that is spanish the this the the language in spain i mean what else would it be english usually french French. I mean, it's closer than Mexico. <laughs> they don't speak Mexican, I guarantee you. <laughs> you might have to edit that out. I don't know how appropriate that is. Hey, it's, That's uh, not culturally appropriate, I don't think. It is not culturally appropriate, uh, but hey, if it's just an honest ignorance, then, you know. We'll go with that. That's kind of how I get through life. That's right. Uh, so, we apologize for that culturally insensitive moment. Compliments of time. Oh... At least it's not as bad as the Nepal one last week, right? Right, Colin. Hey, hey, y'all just right, chill out on that one. There was nothing insensitive about that. <laughs> <laughs> What's the highest mountain you've ever climbed, Tyler? <laughs> not Mount Everest, Tim. Not Mount Everest. <laughs> we climb, I guess that mountain we climbed in the summer might have been the tallest one I've ever climbed. That's true. We did. <laughs> We yeah, set I totally out. forgot about that. We set out on an adventure to climb a mountain, Colin, and we got lost. We a three-hour hike turned into how long? We did. It was uh, about four days, I think. Oh, my. Yeah. Uh, we but went, legit like six hours we were. Yeah. And what was the dude's name that saved us? It was like, you know, Fireman Joe from yeah. Boston, Massachusetts yep. that, you know, big hulking we got, dude. We got lost because we took advice from fellow Southerners on which way to go. <laughs> And As we if they would Maine. know where yeah, yeah. to go in Maine. Yeah. The Mississippi of the North. They were, yep. Yeah. We're going to say they were from Mississippi. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Where else would they be from? North Carolina. But it's basically the same thing, right? <laughs> so anyway, yeah. Uh, I, how do we get up on that? Mountains? Yeah. yeah. We were climbing a mountain. Have you climbed mountains recently, Colin? 
I haven't climbed any mountains recently. Did you climb the Goliath? I did climb the Goliath. Yeah, old Six Flags old last Six week. Flags. Man, that was fun. When did y'all go to, when did y'all go to Six Flags? I went to Six Flags last uh, last week. Oh, this could be a good rant. Six Flags. Dude, Six okay. Flags is where it's at. The best part was there was like hardly nobody there last week. I think it was because like, a lot of schools were back in session, so all your summer camps weren't there. No youth groups. No no offense. Dude, youth groups at amusement parks are awful. It, re- it oh, yeah. really is. Yeah. truly is. So, no joke, a couple years ago, I took our student ministry, t- took around 50 kids to Six Flags over Georgia. I buy the tickets online for Six Flags over New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> I show up at in Atlanta. We get there early. Like, we're the first group there. We're about to go tackle the roller coasters. And Six Flags, being the awesome organization that they are, I say that with immense sarcasm, made me go back and repurchase all the tickets. Ooh. And they had to return each individual ticket. So 50 of them. 50 plus. How long were you there working on uh, It took legit about 45 minutes. And, like, all these people were pouring in. I'm so triggered. Like, I'm trying to I'm trying to be an example to, of Jesus to our students, and I, and I really didn't want to. So and the, I probably failed really so bad. So the example that you should have set is? Flipping tables. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been appropriate. You could have done that. The only difference between that example and your example is you were the one that screwed up. Jesus didn't. <laughs> That's true. That is true. That is very so. true. Um, so all that to say, Six Flags is the reject Disney World. I'm just saying. Because if it had been Disney World, they'd be like, oh, it's okay. Let me honor your tickets and you just go on out. So what you're saying is Disney World is the Chick-fil-A of amusement parks? Absolutely. I mean, pristine. <laughs> Did you know that they have people that walk around Disney and literally scrape gum off the off the ground? You will never find a piece of gum on the ground at Disney World. So I had this conversation with someone earlier today. Uh, smart cars. What do y'all think of smart cars? <laughs> I've never had one, so I don't know if I'm. I've, yeah, I've, this is coming. This is coming from a southern country boy who drives a jacked up truck. How am I gonna? <laughs> Nobody in Tuscaloosa can afford a smart car. No. <laughs> that makes you the perfect candidate, though, for an opinion on the matter. That's true. That's true. Define smart car. What is a smart car? I only use the phrase smart car because that's what they market it as. But basically, it's the vehicles that if you run over an ant, you're like throwing out your back axle. Okay. Oh, dude, I feel like such an idiot. I thought you were talking like a smart car, like a smartphone, not an actual smart car, like the Coke can of vehicles. Right. (laughs) I don't know if I could fit in a smart car. And the reason I ask this is because we, uh, like I passed one earlier today. And I'm telling you, every single time I pass one, I laugh at whoever's driving it. They're fun-sized vehicles. It's like the fun-sized candy bars you get. It. <laughs> I mean, I've got bigger wheels than this smart car on my bicycle. Yeah, they probably weigh more than the entire smart car as well. I definitely weigh more than a smart anytime, car. Anytime you're driving a vehicle and sneeze, your car goes into a different lane, you know you've got the wrong vehicle. Yep. And... Not to stereotype, but it's you're always, stereotyping and saying that. <laughs> Here it comes, that, folks. It's always that older woman who gardens, you know, like all day. <laughs> it's the vegan from Seattle. And she's going to she's going to Home Depot to get another tool to increase the. Dude, that's something else. Garden. A smart car at Home Depot. Yeah. How about that? What do you What do you put your lumber in a smart car? 
You don't. <laughs> <laughs> Just think of all the things that you could not carry in a smart car. Like, you couldn't get anything bigger than about a 19-inch TV. No. You couldn't fit Colin. You couldn't fit a Liger in there either. Uh-uh. Nope. You couldn't uh, buy more than about four bags of groceries at Walmart. I don't think you could fit a 12-pack of y'all's beloved Crystal Burgers in there. <laughs> and those things are really small. Mm. You'd have to put it in tow haul to haul 12 <laughs> crystals. Yeah, but if you put a hitch on the back of one of those things, it'd, like, drag the back bumper on the ground. <laughs> you, couldn't, you couldn't carry a That's little without... tykes trailer with that thing. <laughs> oh That's without towing anything, man. <laughs> The hitch itself would just think what happens when you go over a speed bump. Let's get back to stereotypes that drive smart cars. <laughs> this could be fun. I've given Tim mine. in your brain. Who drives a smart car? Well, the person that I saw driving the smart car today, Colin was dead on. Like that's who it was. <laughs> yes. It was an older, an older individual. Yes, it was. It's, it was. So neither one of y'all picture like a young, young person driving one of these. See, I picture like. Vegan Whole Foods from like some big city driving a smart car. Fair enough. They're, they they got to be a lot easier to parallel park with yoga pants. You, or skinny well, that's because you don't have to parallel. You just pull right in. <laughs> <laughs> My gosh! You just pull straight in. It's not even long enough. No, oh, that's all you do. That's all you do. <laughs> then you can just back up when it's time to get out of there. That would be convenient. Like, if you're on the ground floor of an apartment complex, <laughs> drive that mug straight up to your door. Wow. It would fit on the sidewalk. That's right. <laughs> Heck, we li- like our first uh, first place me and my wife ever lived was in an apartment complex. We were on the third floor, so we might have struggled a little bit, but I think if it came down to it, we could have probably like picked the thing up and took it up a couple levels. Put it on your shoulder yeah. and carry it on rem- where did y'all? I, don't, I remember y'all living in an apartment. Yeah. Which apartments? Over by Cracker Barrel. That's right. Ooh. That's right. I remember that. They have uh, gone down since we were there. <laughs> Although I will say, my first week there, there was a shooting. No. Oh. Yeah. Walked mm. outside after watching a movie one night, and there were cop cars everywhere. I was like, oh my goodness. I'm going back inside now. I literally had not lived there for, uh, it probably wasn't two weeks. And then, sure enough, you look on the news the next day, you know, shooting such and such apartment complex, you know, this time of night. And I was watching, I think I was watching Air Force One, uh, the movie. So that's a lot of, you know, action and gunfire and never seen that, that kind of thing. So you never know. Some of the gunfire I thought was on the movie could have been real life. Could have been, could have been. So anyway, but, you know, if I'd have had a smart car, I could have just hopped in that mug and it have been good to go. I mean... And fired it up and revved the engine, and nobody would have heard you. <laughs> what are we right. talking about today? Colin? We're waiting on Tyler to hit us up with a rant topic. Mm, we're going to be waiting for a while. <laughs> uh, hmm. My question is, does anybody else find it odd that Tyler, who has opinions on everything, can't come up with something <laughs> Look, to real? I'm struggling. Thinking. I'm struggling. That's what I was thinking. I've I been got... struggling the past couple of weeks. How about this? This is something that gets me every time. Uh, you go to the store and you're wanting to buy like a smart water, not anything like a smart car, right? I, again, I don't know why they call it smart waters or Propel or whatever, mm-hmm. right? It's just straight up water and they have a sports bottle top on it. It drives me nuts for some reason. I don't know why. Like that. Oh, I love the sports bottle top. That opinion is not justified by anything, but I hate it. 
Hmm. Like who who needs a sport bottle top on a bottle of water? I mean, I don't need it, but I kind of like it. I mean, it makes me feel cooler about. Yeah. You know, it's too much work. Man. I feel more sophisticated. You don't get enough water. I feel smarter. No. Uh. No, I'll pass. Y'all go drive your dang smart cars and <laughs> take with your smart water yeah. on our smartphones. Yeah, y'all get out of here. I'm gonna stay down here and go to Home Depot and actually get some, you know, lumber. <laughs> yeah, some lumber. Maybe a dumb car. <laughs> some plywood. Yeah. What are we talking about today, Tim? <laughs> oh no, I just took a drink of my water. My real water. Oh, and his lowly great value. Dude, great value. It's got the old twist top. You know. Oh, yeah. Those are perfect. House second hand. Squeezing them real tight and blowing the top off and making people think you blew a firework. That's right. It's uh, It doesn't say it on here anymore, but it's one of these bottles that like uses less plastic. Oh, yeah. So you feel like if you set it down too hard, it's going to you know bust a hole mm-hmm. in it and your water's going to go everywhere. You know, I think using those for a couple of years saves more plastic and more energy for the future than using that smart car does. I agree. I or I could just use a reusable bottle yeah. and save the world Shout and sea turtles. <laughs> save the sea turtles. How about, okay, let's talk about this. It's popped in my head. Have y'all ever seen a picture of like the floating dump out in the Pacific Ocean? Uh-huh. It's real. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's impressive. It is. I don't know if it's impressive or scary. <laughs> it's impressively scary. But Michael, like how does it get there? Like what is it about it that puts it there? I bet somebody a lot smarter than me could answer that question. Like, I would think that it would be, like, off the coast of Biloxi or something. But <laughs> Probably, yep. So, people throw their trash in Mississippi because, let's just be real, yeah. I mean, it's all trash there. And so, yeah. you just throw it right out the window, and then it works its way into the rivers, and your rivers feed into your ocean. And there you go. Mississippi's the cause of all the global So, in the Pacific problem. trash dump or whatever it is, I guarantee you half of it came down the Mississippi River <laughs> straight through Biloxi. Speaking of Biloxi, you ever been to the casino there? I have not. Actually, I don't know if you can answer that question. <laughs> I have not. I've never been. I've never I been either. No. But I'd be totally game to just see what it is. You know? <laughs> I'd go grab a burger. It is our 21st birthday. I mean, why not? <laughs> we stayed at a casino in Niagara, Niagara Falls. Here's an ethics question. Yes. Do you play the lottery in hopes to get your church facility? <laughs> Just saying that that could be a uh, real scenario for someone maybe sitting at this table. It could be. It's real life. Uh, I'm. I, I'll just say no. I'm not going to say I've never bought a lottery ticket though before because I have. So hmm. I'm going to go with no as well. I have never bought a lottery ticket. But here's the deal. I will say this. I will clarify this a little bit. I bought one single lottery ticket for two dollars. That's mm-hmm. it. Big spender. Just because I wanted to say I'd bought a lottery ticket before. Fair enough. So, you know, in that regards, I am less of it is, you know, gambling with the lottery versus mm-hmm. uh, participating just in the entertainment value of, hey, I bought a lottery ticket mm-hmm. yeah. and spent a whole 120 cents. Well, <laughs> no, I'm seeing Tim's logic cents. here. Yeah, yeah. Never mind. I always, you know, whenever I'd go to the arcade as a kid, I was always the one that would quit playing. And then the next kid who came to the game behind me would hit the jackpot like the very next time. And I like wasted all my money. And so, I knew I'd never win any on the real lottery or anything like that, so I was like, why even waste it? Yeah. I will say, so when we were at the casino, that we stayed in the casino up in Niagara, uh, we were like, hey, just for, you know, giggles, here's 10 bucks, we're going to see what happens. You want to know what our payout was on the 10 bucks we spent? 
What's that? Seven cents. Ooh, oh, wow. big money. We got yeah. one ticket for five cents and one for two. We said <laughs> that, you can redeem that, at the cash counter. That that ten dollars is what couldn't get y'all back into the country. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> if I hadn't spent my ten bucks, man, I could have been back in the old U.S. of A. <laughs> That's hilarious. But no, stinking, you know, casino <laughs> ate my money and only gave me seven cents back. So all that to say, don't play the lottery. Don't go to casinos and spend money. Uh, you can go to casinos and stay there because they're a whole lot cheaper than other hotels. Unless you go and win, and then you can sponsor Fluent Grace Podcast yep. and make right. checks payable to Tyler LaFoy Enterprises, <laughs> <laughs> LLC. LLC. Yeah. And, hey, if you own a smart car and want to put, like, a you know a big old sticker of the Fluent Grace on the side, you can do that as well. A big old sticker would be like six inches to fit on a smart car. That's right. That's right. Get one of those six-inch bumper stickers. and That's a full car wrap right there. Oh, especially on a smart car. That's not a bumper sticker, man. That's no. like a... No. That's a I've rain car. shoes that are bigger than their bumpers. Yeah. You stick a bumper sticker over a smart car and the rain won't touch it. Uh-uh. <laughs> Shout out to the live audience over there. Hey. Keeping it real. That's what we right. got? Two, four, five, five people in the live audience today. They're all back behind me, so I have really no idea who's back yeah, there. Yeah, they just keep pointing and laughing at Tim. Yeah, I know. I think it's because I'm pretty. I know exactly what they're pointing and laughing at. What's that? That's when I said two dollars was worth 120 cents. <laughs> yeah, they're still trying to figure <laughs> they that caught, out. <laughs> they caught that one back there. That's one of those things. Right after you say it, you're like, oh, I mean, that's not right. <laughs> that youth minister of math over yeah, there. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, uh, let's talk about the gospel. Uh, how does the gospel impact gambling? Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> You're up, Tyler. <laughs> oh, do you want to know my my conviction on gambling? Absolutely. It frees me to gamble. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Tim, I don't really have an answer to that right now. How about you, Colin? What's your answer? Let's throw this to the youngest member of the group right here. Yeah. Colin, are you of age to gamble yet? Yes, I'm 21. I think I can gamble. I don't know what the legal age is. Gamble never really need to look that up. 18, right? Is there a legal age? I, I didn't know there was one. I think I think it's I 18. Know. I think that um, I don't know if this is a gospel answer, if this is just <laughs> Colin's answer, but we'll see if we can't intertwine it here. I think that God blesses those of us with financial means in what we need and what we can use to help others with and so I think if you're going to take whether it be your hard-earned money or just money that's been given to you and try to gamble it and make more out of it I don't think that's using God's money uh, to the best of your abilities because um, I don't want to get sentimental but there's people out there that they could definitely use you know just that extra dollar or that could use you being there, say a mission trip, um, say, you know, helping out at your local soup kitchen, something like that. Um, there's a lot better ways you could use that. And I know, again, you know, you're betting your money so you can win 100000 but how often does that happen? That's a good answer. Uh, well said, and that I think that is a gospel answer. I think what we need to do as we are really going through anything in life, which is kind of what we're going to get to and talk about today. So this kind of, you know, leads us right into this. But, you know, how does the gospel affect every single thing we do in life? Mm-hmm. How does the gospel affect how I manage my money? Um, you know, there's so many people who take this idea of, 
gambling or, you know, the lottery or, you know, casinos, slot machines, whatever it is, betting on football teams. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You're taking what God has given you and blessed you with, trying to be the means of it multiplying to do whatever it is. And and we try to justify the end result there with being something good. Uh, I'd be lying to say I've never, you know, prayed the prayer, hey, Lord, if you want to bless me with a million dollars, I'll, you know, pay off the church's mortgage or, <laughs> you know, I'll go donate 59% of it to some certain organization across the sea or whatever it is, you know. I mean, that's human nature to want to say that kind of thing. But uh, I think what that does is that takes our finances kind of into our own hands as opposed to letting the Lord do with it what he wants. You know, he he turned water into wine, so I'm pretty sure he can take my 10 bucks and turn it into whatever he wants if I'm faithful with it and if I do with it what would please and honor him. Um, anytime we we try to gamble it or do anything like that, essentially what it comes down to is a a desire to uh, have that 10 bucks turn into something a lot more a lot quicker, mm-hmm. which, um, again, the gospel is about Jesus, his work in my life. So if Jesus is big enough to completely save me from who I am and my deceptive heart that is far from him, when I say that he can't take my finances and use them in a way that honors him, am I really living the gospel? Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's my question. I, you know, Different people would have different perspectives on that, and that's totally fine. You know, I'm totally cool with that. Uh, this is one of those things. It's, I see this as a secondary issue, right? There's nowhere in Scripture that True. says, hey, don't play the lottery. Or, I mean, they cast lots in Scripture. Or yeah, absolutely. Throw that out there. Absolutely. So it's you know it's a it's a matter of opinion for, for a lot of folks, and obviously this is not something that if you believe one way, we're going to look at you and say, hey, you're absolutely right. Or if you believe another way, we're going to look at you and say, you're absolutely wrong, and you know God doesn't love you anymore. That's not the gospel. That's junk. So what is the gospel? Probably helpful to define what the gospel is. It is. Uh, very helpful. Uh, I would say two things to that. One, I would say... We did a full episode titled, What is the Gospel? So you can go listen to that for a, uh, a more of a deep unpacking of it. Uh, but quite simply, it is, what was that uh, church sign that you said last week? That was actually a pretty good description of the gospel. Which one? Sin's bad, Jesus good, uh, you're uh, bad, something. I think it was uh, air conditioner and stuff. <laughs> yeah, I, don't know. I think it was, uh, it's know. so hot. Come find out more inside or something like that. Right, well, know? forget that. That's not exactly what I thought it said. <laughs> uh, anyway, the gospel is we are far from God. We're sinners. Jesus came to rescue us of our sin. And so he's the only one that can get us out of the mess we're in. Romans 3 that we talked about just about every week on this podcast, I feel like. Uh, it's a great picture of who we are. Without Jesus, we are dead in our trespasses, have no hope, um, have no Nothing that's going to get us out of the mess we're in. So the gospel is the message of Jesus coming down from heaven to rescue us for his glory, for our good. Good answer, Tim. I've been reading through a book called Call Together by Jonathan Dotson and Brad Watson, and they have a pretty simple definition that I think is good. They say the gospel is the good news that Jesus has defeated sin, death, and evil through his own death and resurrection and is making all things new, even us. Mm -hmm. You have the work of Christ. You have 
obviously something's broken if it's got to be made new. So, so the Lord reverses what is broken. Yeah, something I'd like to throw out is I like how the gospel is a process. Um, so when we say we want to live the gospel on a daily basis, the actual gospel story was a process. So living the gospel on a daily basis is going to be a process as well. And I don't want to. I don't want y'all to think that it just happens perfectly this one instant and now you got to move on. No, it's a process. It takes daily routines and daily working at it to get it right, so to speak. Yeah, it's not just a one and done. You don't, right? Justification is it happens once, it's done, you're justified, boom. Sanctification then is obviously a different, it's more of the process kind of to what you're speaking to. Mm-hmm. Um, if we're going to live out the gospel, absolutely justification is part of that, but uh, equally as, as big a part of that is um the sanctifying work of Christ in our life, which is a process. Yep. It takes time and work. <laughs> yep. Justification is positional. Sanctification is practical. So it's mm-hmm. way, one way to look at it. Yep. So speaking of practical, what are some practical ways uh, students can live the gospel daily? Mm. So that means I have to live the gospel out when I'm at school around people that I don't like. And teachers that are mean to me and give me homework? Yeah. Man, that sounds like hard work. If you're homeschooled, does that mean you got to love your parents and your teacher? I think that's what it means, Tom. Wow. And then I, I got to be. I've never had that paradigm before. <laughs> <laughs> my mom is my teacher. Yeah. Is that intense? Yeah, it's a little scary. Nah. <laughs> Not if you're a good student. Yeah. There you go. There's your difference. <laughs> Oh, no, I came up with a couple just very practical points that I would like to point out. Um, And all of these points that I'm about to make, they can be used in every day, any circumstance um, that comes your way. Whether you're at school, you're at public school, you're homeschooled, you're private schooled, or you dropped out of school. Either way. (laughs) We love you, too. Whether you're at ball practice, band practice, crochet practice, I don't know what you're at. Crochet practice. Hey, you can fit crochet needles in a smart car. <laughs> There's no doubt. That, that might be the one who's graduated from school 70 years ago, Colin. <laughs> Shout out to our oldies in, uh, what's that place that you have friends? Uh, Forkies or Forkies. Wait, people in Forkland crochet? Forkland, that's right. I don't know about that now. They stick their microwave on the road and use it as a mailbox. They're probably not crocheting. Oh, uh, sorry, Colin. No, you're good. You just just killed the whole vibe. <laughs> we'll try to get back sorry. into this. Um, my point number one I'd like to make on just living the gospel on a daily basis is just be positive. Proverbs chapter 17, it says, A joyful heart is good medicine. And if you know me... Um, you know that I'm all about positivity. My cup is always half full. Um, and people around you are going to see that. Um, people are going to see that you are putting off positive vibes. You are taking on any circumstance with the good outcome in sight. Um, point number two is... Let's, let's, let's unpack that one just a little bit. A little bit more? All right, yeah, go yeah. ahead. Because um, I hear that phrase... And overall, I agree with it. 
Um, but I have also heard that phrase used in a more of a cultural setting that just says you got to be happy all the time. And mm. you know, that'd be as, poop emoji, Tim. It, it would. It would. You have to. Um, it's easy to focus on being positive and being happy. Uh, good things, right? As you said, that's scriptural, that's biblical. Right. But if you do it absent of Christ, then it's no better than the way anybody else were to live. Uh, so we just need to be careful that as we're talking about you know, being positive, we don't do it in a way that neglects the reason we are positive. Mm-hmm. And that's yep. Jesus. Yep. Um, you can put on a face all day long, and that's not the gospel. The gospel isn't a face. The gospel is a lifestyle change. So just keep that in mind. We're not over here saying, hey, just don't worry, be happy all the time. There's Bob Marley again. There you go. <laughs> Full circle. Just Full jumped circle. out of Tyler's beard, folks. Yep. <laughs> so it, as long as the positiveness, positivity is because of Christ, then we're good. Yep, yep. And I think all these points that I'm that I'm making here – um, are going to connect to that. Um, you know, we can do these things in all your practical ways if they're not centered out of uh, humbleness and out of not I but Him, i.e. Jesus. And there's no no point. There's no meat to you. There's no um, backbone. Um, if Christ is not your backbone in all situations, you don't have one. So... Which is very ironic that point number two is just smile. It's amazing when you just smile in life, what people, how people notice that. Um, I don't know if y'all have ever watched the news, but it's rather morbid, I will say. Uh, a lot of negativity. And when you smile just in, on a general day-to-day basis because you have joy in the Lord... Um, to see the people around you notice that is crazy. Sing the song, Colin. You know you want to. <laughs> no, I think I'm good. I got uh, yeah. We're going to let you sing it, Tyler. Uh, it's all, uh, I'm singing in my head right now. <laughs> um, but in Psalms, it says, This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Um, so just waking, you know, God waking you up this morning. All the songs, Colin. All the songs, man. The inner Baptist kid is coming out today. <laughs> Tyler's reliving his childhood right here. Yep. Isn't it crazy, side note, about how those songs indoctrinate your brain? Like, I'm 30 years old, and I still remember these songs from when I was, like, six. Yeah. yeah. Just saying. It's good stuff. Teach your kids good songs, folks. Kids. They don't need to know two chains. They need to know Jesus, okay? Kids, go learn good songs. Uh, your music influences you. Let the gospel shape your music. Ooh. How about that? That's a good point. Right. Burn your Drake CDs. <laughs> That's what Tim just said. I did not. I have said something similar to that. Before. Put down the who, uh, Khalid, or is that it? K-H-A-L? DJ Khalid. Khalid, yeah. He's got some good stuff, though. I'm just going to throw it out there. Yeah. But it is trash. It's trash. He's got good beats. Good beats, trash lyrics. Yeah. You need to edit that out. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So, all right, let's look at, let's think about this. All right, so I'm going to school, and uh, Colin has just thrown out a couple practical points that are only possible through Jesus. Uh, well, let me back that up. 
you can be positive and smile without knowing Jesus. That's possible. So the way that the gospel impacts that, though, is we have a purpose for being positive, and we have a purpose for smiling and being cheerful and joyful and rejoicing and all these things. It's not just a, oh, hey, I'm going to do this because I want other people to like me, or I'm just going to act a certain way because it makes me feel good, or I'm just going to do whatever it is so that I get something out of it. No, if that's our motivation, then it's all wrong. Whether you smile and are positive and sing the joy of the Lord or whatever it is, right? If that's your motivation, it's wrong. The motivation is Christ. He's changed us. Uh, The gospel has rescued us from the depths of depravity that we are in. And it's because of that that we can do these things. We can be positive. We can be happy. We can smile. We can sing. We can do a variety of things uh, because of Christ. Hmm. It's true. It might be helpful to have, because we could sit here for three hours and talk about different scenarios. It might be easier to lay out a framework for students to go by. So, like, let, let's let's break down the gospel in three ways. So, the gospel is doctrinal. So, so there's obviously things that we believe there about the gospel. It's it's practical. So it changes changes who we are and how we live, like sanctification, right? And it is, so it's doctrinal, it's practical, but it's also missional. So it changes how we live. So through a frame, if you have a framework, it can help propel. So like if the gospel calls me to be missional, then I'm to go reach out to my unbelieving teammates or or how I interact with my teammates or band members or or whatever, you know, or it it changes my it changes my doctrine, it changes what I believe. So whenever I hear crappy theology or untrue statements about who God is, it changes how I interact with those. I don't just brush it off. I, you know, I, I engage the conversation. So for as a for example, you know, last week we threw out the phrase uh, God helps those who help themselves. Right? How does the gospel impact what I think about that statement? Well, the gospel would say you can't help yourself because you're completely and utterly broken and helpless. Right. It's a thing called monergism. <laughs> Let's get some big words out there. Let's not be scared of big words. Monergism talks about how the work of salvation and really any work of in our lives is of the Lord. It's It's him reaching out and him engaging. It's not a mutual reaching out. It's him reaching out and saving yep. us. So, yep. So the gospel should absolutely impact uh, how we view states, statements like that uh, around us. It should impact, you know, when we're sitting at school and we hear uh, different lessons being taught, right? Uh, if we have a proper understanding of the gospel, uh, the doctrinal piece of it, we should be informed as to whether or not these things that we are learning and are being taught line up with the gospel and are they something that should be accepted to impact and influence how I live versus hey let's be honest out there there are some things that you get taught that you need to put on a test and then forget hmm, true <laughs> I mean let's just be real uh, you've got to know that stuff for the test but if they don't line up with the gospel you probably don't need to put it into practice but even in that statement 
you know, all that, all three of those things that framework to play out. So, so that's your doctrinal part. So if the gospel is personal and it changes who we are, it changes how we engage with that person. No longer are we a pompous jerk who has the right answers. We yep. see it as an opportunity to engage the person with compassion yep. and grace. And then it leads into the missional aspect of the gospel, which then adds to engaging in conversation and correction. So it's a framework. Work from a framework, folks. So that means that the gospel needs to influence how I look at and treat those who drive smart cars. Absolutely. <laughs> and mm. those who eat crystal? Mm. Now we're getting personal here. Mm. Now we're getting personal. So I, I say that to, to throw this out there, right? There are things that we will rip on here uh, in the podcast, and we, we mentioned the great state of Mississippi on the regular I'm just but, saying, I have family in Mississippi. I love Mississippi. Right, absolutely. So I, I say that to throw this out here. We realize on a very deep level that <laughs> that all these different things and, and people that we discuss in that manner, those are people that Jesus loves just as much as, we, as he loves us. Um, we are in no way better than anybody else like that. We are no better than those that eat at Crystal or drive smart cars or live in Mississippi. True. Um, but, you know, at the same time, it's kind of fun to just mess around with that kind of folks. And, hey, I will give you full right, anybody who's listening here, to rip on me all you want. You can create a podcast called Rip on Fluent Grace, and we're cool with that. <laughs> if you create a podcast called Rip on Fluent Grace, Tim will get a lip ring <laughs> next episode. I uh, will not. I'm just going to keep well, trying until he says he will. Yeah. That's a good point you make, though, Tim, in connection to – our topic today of of living the gospel on the daily is no matter how Christian you are, no matter how many Bible verses you can regurgitate or how many mission trips you've gone on or how many crosses you hung on your rearview mirror, the dirt is level at the foot of the cross for everyone, including the people who aren't saved right now. It is just as level no matter what sins you have committed, grace abounds over all of it. And I think a lot of people tend to overthink that sometimes. So how's, let me throw out this one, one scenario here. And again, like you said, Tyler, we could do this all day long in throwing out different situations, scenarios, that kind of thing. But uh, let's say that, that you're interacting with a peer who decides they don't really care about Jesus anymore. You know, at one point they went to church and, you know, they believed in God, probably because their parents did at some point. But but now you're at the place, uh, or now they are at the place of, I don't really believe that anymore. anymore. Maybe it's their, you know, they've gone off to college and, and done the whole college thing or, or whatever it is, right? Fill in the blank. Uh, how do you interact with and love that person through it? And how do you stay strong in your own belief in the gospel uh, how does the gospel impact that relationship there? I think that it doesn't it doesn't leave you scared to in, engage the conversation. So in a conversation like that, you have to hold on to what is true and what you believe to be true, which is the scriptures. Yeah. Because you can And not only believe, but know. Yeah. Right? yeah There's a difference between believe. belief right. and knowing. Yeah. That's right. And don't act like you always have to have the answers either. I mean you yeah. can mm-hmm. you know, you can always hey, I don't know. It's okay to say I don't know, but I'll come back and I'll let you know, like, you know, what I can find. Yeah, I think a key is not trying to change their point of view, but simply tell yours, you know. 
uh, you're not, you can't control that person like a puppet, um, but you can control yourself and, uh, shall we say the, the knowledge that you have going into it, like, like Tyler saying, and be able to just give experiences that you've had in your life, give reasons why. And at the end of the day, you can't make the decision for them. It's their decision to make. Well, I mean, let's look, let's look at Jesus. So Jesus knew the truth. I mean, shoot, he is the truth. <laughs> like, but like, what did he do? He engaged with the doubters and the skeptics. Like, he got the name friend of sinners. Like, how, how do you get that name? Well, you hang out with, with idiots like us, okay? Like, that's, that's how you get that name. And so he engaged with people, and in that, he, he met them where they were and, and spoke truth and where there needed to be truth spoken. And so I think what, there's something to learn from that, man. And, like, it's not just a – okay, I'll preface it with this. The Lord does work through, one, like, one-time evangelism, like, hey, I won't give out gospel tracts at, at the quad. Like, he works through that. But, man, the Lord really works through friendship and, and, mm-hmm. and kinsmanship and, and me embracing you as a friend and, and taking you and spending time and week in and week out and not just these one-hit wonders, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I know he works through the one-hit wonders. Like, I'm a, I'm a product of that, like going to a revival growing up, like in saving faith. Like, he works through that. But, like, I've seen time after time after time again, like with me personally and how he uses me is just week in and week out with the same people engaging over NBA 2K and McDonald's Chicken McNuggets. You know, like we, we have this such a skewed view of discipleship of it's me sitting down with somebody walking through a book or I have to walk through Second Corinthians with somebody for them to meet and know the Lord. And that's just not true. Jesus reclined at table. You know what that means? He hung out and ate with people. <laughs> and had conversations and yeah. drank Mountain Dew yeah. and, and told funny jokes. Like, it's okay, you know? Mm-hmm. And okay. so I would say meet people where they are and don't be afraid to, even if they don't think like you or look like you. Ecclesiastes 4, verse 9 says, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Hmm. Yeah, Love those verses. Good old Ecclesiastes reference. Mm. Yeah, I like that. That's good. Um, you know, just being engaged with people. Ultimately, well, I say ultimately, that's one of the clearest pictures of the gospel that we can show the world. And, it, you know, Jesus even says in John, um, the world will know you're my disciples by your love for one another. You don't love each other if you isolate yourself and only do your own thing. You got to get in, get engaged with people, and you got to reach out to people. Uh, you got to be involved in people's lives. Um, these people may be a uh, different nationality. They they may follow a different religion. They may have different uh, interests or personalities. They may be different gender. They may you know fill in the blank. The differences are endless. But uh, we don't love people when we're isolated. Mm. Uh, you love people when you're engaged with them. So uh, that's that's super important. You know, that love is the greatest apologetic there is. Jesus didn't say, the world will know you're my disciples if you can, you know, successfully convince them of the doctrine of creation. I mean, he didn't say that. It, that's way down the list. He said if you love each other. So 
you know, maybe I shoot, maybe next week we need to talk through, you know, what does biblical love look like and how does that need to specifically influence our lives? Because ultimately that's, that's the key. You know, we love others because God first loved us. So let's take the love he gave us. Uh, let's take the, the gospel that he has, has given to us and let's love others with it. No matter where you're at, what you're doing, that's what's up. So any other thoughts on that? Amen. I'm going to wrap that one. Yeah. Hey, I will throw this back to the audience, live audience here. They're back here. They just woke up when you said that. They did. <laughs> they were snoring back there. It happens. I snore when Tyler talks, too. Mm, <laughs> I, do t- I do, too. <laughs> I would hey, do. speaking of, you've preached a few times. Do you ever look out over the congregation and see folks just totally zonked out? Oh, absolutely. Out? I've saw, uh, I saw one. He's an older gentleman. <laughs> Are you stereotyping? I, I hope they're not listening to this, man. <laughs> Legit, I thought he was dead, man. He was so out. He He's an older guy. He was like, so we don't have many old people in our church, so like they're really few and far between. <laughs> And so, like, I just look over and I see, like, one of the only people that's older in our congregation just, like, <laughs> like I don't – listeners aren't going to be able to see this, but he's, like, hunched over, like, leaning. He looks like he's going to vomit, <laughs> but he's, he's just passed out, dude. <laughs> I kind of wanted to, like, yell, like, just something random and just make him freak out. Yeah. I didn't do it. I, I will say it. this in the, you know, having gone to church for 20-some years – teenagers get the the stereotype for being the ones to fall asleep in class or church or whatever. I've never seen a teenager fall asleep. It's always been the older folks. That's true. Mm-hmm. That's true. So shout out teenagers. Stay awake in church. True. Uh, if you see your folks fall asleep, whack them or something. I whack don't know. A, so. Whack an old person. <laughs> That's right. It's your new, uh, it's your new church game. That's right. Dude, that would be a – okay, if I ever plan a church, we're going to have Nerf footballs under the seats. <laughs> you just whack somebody in the face with one. Oh, gosh. Like, instead of, you know, in the old Baptist churches, they have, you know, right after the service starts, all right, everybody stand up and go welcome a visitor or oh. shake their hand or whatever. You're just going to have, like, a mini Nerf football game. Oh, dude, we're going to call, accounta- awesome. call them accountability balls. You don't want to get smacked in the face by one of those. <laughs> all right, Nerf, if you're listening to this, we'll take a sponsorship. That's right. Uh, I will say one last thing to wrap this up. I think a good litmus test for believers is to ask yourself, when's the last time I engaged someone and had a conversation with someone that don't look that don't look like me or necessarily believe like I do? Hmm. That'd be a good question to ask yourself yep. as to where you are on That's any of this stuff that we're talking yeah. about. Because there's plenty of people out there that don't necessarily look like you, engage with stuff like you do, nor believe like you do. Yeah. And so if the only person you're having conversation with is church folks— well, it's e- the reality is it's easy to believe it when everybody around you believes the same thing because oh, you absolutely. don't have anybody questioning you and you don't have anybody challenging what it is that you're saying you believe. But as soon as you come across somebody that may think, talk, look, act differently, you start to wonder and you say, whoa, hey, has this thing that I've believed for so many years, now I've got somebody challenging that, what's the deal? Uh, so yeah, that's that's a fantastic point there. Go, go meet somebody. Go talk with somebody. Engage with somebody. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, if you're a believer, you have God, the Holy Spirit, indwelling you. So I mean, what else? Yep. What are you? What are you worried about? Yeah. yeah. All right. All right, Colin, hit us with the. Uh, hey, whoa! Hold on. Oh, hold sorry. On. Hold your little oh, horse. Had the brakes. Tim's like, you can't. I always get to say that. You can't say that. <laughs> Slow that's my your part. roll. All right. Any questions from the live audience back there? We will talk through it 
right here, right now. We have no idea what possibly could be coming. But hey, the beauty of having a live audience is you get certain privileges that other people don't. So y'all got anything you want to throw out back there? All right, come up here, Mr. Norton, close to a microphone. Get uh, get in front of Colin's mic over there. Throw out your question. So I heard this thing like a couple couple years ago, whatever. It's from this comedian, Mark Lowry. He says, um, and he made this simple joke. He said, uh, now, Jesus did say to love everybody. And that is completely possible. You can love somebody. Doesn't mean you have to like them. Is that a true... Is that like a plausible thing that is actually that you can do? To love somebody without liking them? Yes. That's a good question. I hope so because I do it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I like that question. Uh, so, yeah, gut reaction. I'm with Tyler and I say yes. But let's think about that on, on a deeper level. Uh, where in Scripture might that have been evident? Is there a place in Scripture where we could think of someone who, who we know loved them but might not necessarily have liked that individual. <laughs> this may be totally wrong, and it might get edited out, but I'll still throw it out there. This is my immediate thought. Was What about the uh, the story of the prodigal son? You think when he went out and spent all of his uh, money that he got from his dad, that his dad necessarily liked what he did with the money? But when he welcomed him back in, he loved him. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah, I think that's good. I think that applies there. You know, there are definitely pictures of Jesus. You referenced flipping tables earlier. Yeah, that's true. Jesus didn't like those folks at that minute. In that minute, <laughs> he flipped their tables. He definitely didn't like Pharisees, man. He didn't like Pharisees. You're a child of Satan. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. Like, like, what do you do if like God of the universe says like you're a child of Satan? Like, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm dead in the spot. Like, it's just embarrassing. Yep. Or think about okay, I think about this uh, when who's it? James and John. Their mom came to Jesus and said, "Hey, Jesus." Uh, when you go up to heaven and live with God, can my two boys sit on either side of you, you know, right and left hand? The rest of the disciples at that moment, they did not like James and John at all. Mm-hmm. There is no way. I'd have been like, y'all are out of the club, man. Yeah. <laughs> See ya. Uh, How about the time Paul rebukes Peter for being a racist in Galatians? Yeah. Probably didn't like what he was yeah. Well, you know he, he didn't like know. what he was doing. Absolutely. He called him out. Public rebuke. Yep. Wouldn't it be awkward like you're at a big dinner? <laughs> like, hey, dude, over there, yeah, you're being a racist. You need to stop. <laughs> like, that's really awkward. And hey, dude, over there is like the leader of the church. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Ooh. You know, not just some random guy. He's the guy uh, in charge of. Doesn't he call him? He doesn't even call him Peter. He calls him Cephas. Like, you know, whenever, whenever Peter's being stupid in scripture, he gets called Cephas. Yeah. It's like, it's like his redneck name. <laughs> hey, Cephas. That's what they called him at the casino, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> what you doing? So, yeah, I think that uh, that's, a, that's a pretty good answer there. I, I definitely think there are times uh, in Scripture where someone may not necessarily like a person, um, but you know they love them. Um, you know that, that, that Paul loved Peter. Um, I think a lot of times uh, our love for each other as followers of Christ, right? there are times that we need to hold people accountable based on what they're doing. And so I may not like what somebody's doing, and I may not like them because of what they're doing, um, but because of my love for them and the love of Jesus evidenced in my life for them, I can still pursue them in love and hold them accountable in love um, and do all these things. Good question. 
Yeah. Yeah. Good question. Fantastic question. Does that answer your question back there, Mr. Norton? Does that work? All right. I you mentioned Mark Lowry. So I remember this uh Mark that Lowry. Familiar. He's a dude that wrote Mary Did You Know. You know that song? Is that like a Christmas song? The most overused Christmas song ever written. I think yeah. I know that song. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. For some reason, I was thinking about the Red Slipper song at Christmas. Oh, um, my the, goodness. The that one makes me cry. Worst Christmas song ever. <laughs> anyway, That's... Mark Lowry's, one of his bits is he's talking about Christians praying before meals and how just utterly ridiculous it is because we're over here praying for Doritos like they would turn into carrots as they enter our you know mm. body. You know, Lord, bless this donut turn it into vegetables as it enters my system (laughs) you know plus the food that we're about to eat for the nourishment of our bodies you're eating Krispy Kreme (laughs) this Coca-Cola we thank you Lord for it all right Colin hit us up world record of the week hey Colin Um, will you hit us up with a world record of the week yeah I think it will dang it Tim beat me to it um so this week you know, here in Alabama, it is hot as all get out, and and me and Tim, we like to get out and run every once in a while, at least we think we can run. Hey, speaking of, I have an idea for a great new podcast segment. I'm glad you mentioned that, because I forgot all about it. <laughs> it's going to be called Mini Cast While Running. How about I'll, that? I'll miss those. I'm, Tyler, I'm Tyler we need you to do these, I'm gonna, man. I'm going to miss those episodes. Go out, take a jog. Pull out your cell phone, the old voice memo, and record something. You're going to need to do a lot of editing on that one, Tim. <laughs> That's the beauty of it. All right, continue. All right, we'll so, see if that so happens. We, uh, so we like to run a little bit. I say we like to run. We just do it for the heck of it or whatever. So that got me uh, thinking about Guinness World Records for today. And uh, <laughs> this, one's, this one's pretty good. It says, uh, longest time to complete a marathon. And I've never done a marathon, but I think I could beat this one guarantee you i could beat it <laughs> um today yeah there's no doubt because this one is it's pretty cool there's a little bit of a sentimental to it as well so the actual record is 54 years 246 days five hours and 32 minutes and so i'm like what 54 years like what what happened so you read a little bit further it occurred at the 1912 olympics uh, cool fact about the 1912 Olympics: It's the first Olympics to feature athletes from every continent. Um, and it was actually wait a minute. There are people on every continent. <laughs> yes, hold Tim, on. There are people on every hold continent. On. Antarctica's. <laughs> like, hold on. Do we need to start marketing to Antarctica? <laughs> yes, we do. We re- we really do. Because I feel like our 50 countries, we've hit all the other continents. I don't think I saw any countries from Antarctica. Like, I would love to see what a human being from Antarctica looks like. I'm picturing, like, the most albino-looking thing I've ever seen in my life. Like, white eyebrows. <laughs> like, Yeah, but down there, like, when they go swimming, they just wear regular trunks because the water is warmer than the air outside. No, Have y'all no. seen that? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they just, like, regular jump in the water. Yeah, It's um, crazy. All right, shout out Antarctica. Shout out Antarctica. All right, we're going to continue on with this. Um, so 1912 Olympics, you've got um, – it's actually Japan is, is participating for the first time, and they only sent two athletes. One of them was going to do uh, one of the sprints, and the other one was going to run the marathon. 
and he'd actually won like the little section sectionals, I guess you could say, in the Asia area. I mean, like he was he was doing great. Well, it was a ten day train ride to get there, and back then, some of the scientific thought was sweat was actually bad, so he didn't drink anything for like the ten day train ride. And you get over there to Sweden where the 1912 games are, and it's really hot. Uh, And over in Sweden, really hot is like 90 degrees, which is like cool weather here in Alabama. Um, So he starts running. He gets like halfway through and just passes out. I mean, like almost dies. And so he didn't want to bring shame to his country by dropping out. So he decides he's just going to go missing, basically, and not go back to the, I guess you could say, Olympic home base and say that he had dropped out. He basically just disappeared, and they didn't know where he went, and they couldn't find him. Um, he ends up going back to Japan, sneaking his way back in, and um, come to find him a bunch of years later, 54 years later to be exact, and they found him and found out what had happened. Come to find out over half of the field that was running for the marathon ended up dropping out because of the heat. So it wasn't just him. And But he, they brought him back, and he finished. So he was the first man from Japan to finish the marathon in the Olympics. Uh, but it took him 54 years, 246 days, and 5 hours and 32 minutes. <laughs> mm, impressive. Did the, did the folks from Antarctica finish? I don't, I don't, I don't know if they send anybody for the marathon. Oh, but oh. I was gonna say, I guarantee I could beat somebody from Antarctica right now. <laughs> I mean, I would have picture they would have to be pretty hefty down there to stay warm. <laughs> yeah, like, like I'm not surviving in Antarctica. I'm like yeah. a toothpick, man. No, that's right. I'd be out. Shoot, I'm almost out here. <laughs> Many times, I, I struggle. So that was good. Threw in a little historical action little there with the old world record of the week. My dad would be proud. Yeah, he would. That's it, folks. We are through with another episode. I really don't know uh, if that one was any good or not. (laughs) We had fun doing it, though. Yeah, Yeah, we enjoyed it. This one may never see the light of the podcast world, but, you know. (laughs) We'll find out. (laughs) You can find out tomorrow. (laughs) Be sure you subscribe to the old iTunes channel. Uh, Go like us on – where do you like us? Uh, What's our social media? Facebook. There you go. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Spotify. Uh, See, where else can you check us out? iHeartRadio, Stitcher, TuneIn, all those different apps. We're on all of them. Go check them out. Uh, (laughs) I don't either. I don't have any. PR guy's doing great. I know. Isn't he awesome? That's right. So, uh, go check us out. Follow us. Share what you can. Uh, That would be much appreciated. The more you... Like and follow and share and rate and review and all those things, uh, the better it is for the podcast. The closer Tim gets to getting the lip ring. That's right. That's right. I will say the closer it is to that happening. We're still millions of light years away. So that's it. We done. Gooses. Lightest. We out. <laughs>